me in turning to the New Testament book of Ephesians. The New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 6. I sometimes say my favorite thing about being the pastor of Coastline Baptist Church is I get to sit through the song service twice every Sunday. And I thank the Lord for the good music we've had today. And we're going to be in Ephesians, chapter 6. Now, our study this year has surrounded the concept, concept wrapped up in the expression, bring it, bring it. That's kind of an American colloquialism that means, hey, let's go for it, bring it on. It, it speaks of, of being aggressive, and as we've relayed that to, to living for the Lord, we know we're speaking of, of an aggressive faith, a, a confidence in God, a willingness in life to, to go big because we know the Lord. We've talked about that the life that brings it is the life that has the right attitude and the right actions. It's the life that has the right attributes. And in the midst of our study, we talked about the value of bringing the right plan. You know, success is not an accident. It's something that is, that is thought out. And we've got to get the right plan. Of course, that's found in the Word of God. We talked about the right plan. We've got to bring the plan. We, we talked about the value of bringing our testimony recently, of, of having a good name and how the, there's more value in a good name than in treasures. We talked about bringing the Bible. The Apostle Paul spoke of bringing the parchments, he said. Today we're going to talk about the value of bringing our families. Specifically, we're going to talk about bringing up our children. We'll talk about parenting. Now, as you hear that today, you might be thinking, oh, he's talking about parenting. I'm not a parent. Or maybe you're saying the kids are gone, therefore this message doesn't apply to me. And I, I would say, I think if you come to that conclusion at this point, uh, you'll, you'll make a big mistake. Because the fact of the matter is, it's possible you may not be a parent now and one day you may be. And you'd rather get a little advice going into it than getting in the middle of it and wondering, what do I do now? <laughs> so there may be something in you that can help you in that regard. But the fact is, please hear me today, God has called all of us to be influencers. God has called all of us to be leaders, to be helpers, to be encouragers, to be directors. And many of the attributes that are found in successful parents are seen also in successful leaders, successful bosses, successful commanders. God can use all of us in a great way. So we're going to study some principles today that will help everybody, but specifically their principles pertaining to parenting. You see, we all have a shelf life and it is incumbent upon us to be teaching others especially children. It ought to be our desire that, that the children we lead in life would be children that come to the place where they put their faith in God, but they also live lives that are faithful to God. And the sad fact of the matter is many of the children and the youth in America today, they're just adrift. It, it would almost be laughable how lost they are, but of course it's tragic. In the absence of a role model, in the absence of any vision, in the absence of any hope for the future, we see many young people before their life even really get started putting themselves in such a position that, that even the potential of, of success is limited. Turning to wrong, the wrong people, turning to the wrong things. And I believe a big part for the struggle in the lives of young people today is because of a lack of real, authentic, biblical leadership. Only a carefully thought out and meticulously carried out plan will yield the results for which we hope. If you're able today, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing as we look to God's word together. God created marriage. God performed the first marriage ceremony. It was a couple by the name of Adam and Eve. And because God created marriage, he created a family. Really, you don't have to 
have children, to have a family. I hear people say, we're getting ready to have a family. I'm thinking, well, if you're married, you are a family. And, and then God blesses with children. Of course, God is the author of that. He put it all together. And being the creative God that he is, and being the God that knows the family better than anyone because he's the God that put it all together, he has a lot to say about parenting. He has a lot to say about helping children. And, and, and we're going to look to a text today that I believe is exceedingly helpful, and we'll find that to some today it will be very familiar. If someone were to say, give me a classic text in the Bible that talks about parenting, this, this may be where I would direct someone. But sometimes when a passage is very familiar, it can run the risk of putting us in a frame of mind where we say, oh yeah, I already know that. And I don't think any of us already know everything about any verse in the Bible. The most published preacher of all time is a preacher by the name of Charles Spurgeon. He pastored in London in the 1800s. He preached for a year out of one verse of the Bible, John 3.16. And he said he didn't plummet the depths of that one verse. The Bible's a deep book. We're going to look to a text today that may or may not sound familiar to you, but it's a, it's a passage that deserves our attention. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to begin verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And all the parents said amen, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. We find the promise here in verse 3, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And your fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The theme in this series of messages deals with bringing it, and so you won't be surprised to see that we're going to go near the end of verse 4 and find two words in this text that really highlight what it is we're going to talk about today. The Bible says here, bring them. Bring them. And uh, we're going to find some encouragement from this. Our Father, thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the teaching found in this passage. And Lord, I pray that by your grace, you would help us all to learn and grow. Lord, none of us have arrived as parents or as leaders or as influencers. We need your help. We give ourselves to you for that purpose now. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A couple weeks ago in our study, we considered the importance, if you're going to bring it in life, of having a plan. You can't just have a haphazard approach to life. You can't just simply be filled with energy but spread it in all directions. You have to go to the Word of God to find the criteria by which you can establish a good plan. In that study, we went to the book of Colossians. And we saw how the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, wrote the words to the book of Colossians. It was a letter that was sent to a church in a city by the name of Colossae. And Paul wrote it while sitting in a prison cell. By and large, the purpose that led Paul to write that letter was the fact that the church in Colossae had, had some ungodly ideas coming in, some doctrines that were not accurate. There were some philosophies that were destructive to the church. And so Paul wrote this letter we call Colossians to correct some of the error that was in that place at that time. From the same prison cell at about the same time, the Apostle Paul wrote the letter we call the book of Ephesians. This letter was going to the church at Ephesus. And unlike the book of Colossians, Paul was not writing this letter to correct any major doctrinal error. 
By and large, his church was doing well. He was writing to commend them in that. But more than that, we find that as you go through the book of Ephesians from beginning to end, Paul writes to share that there's only one way to be saved, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. He takes the time as he moves on into chapter 2 to reveal that, that salvation is not something we can earn. You can't do enough good works to earn your way to heaven. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, Paul later said. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He goes on in this great book of Ephesians to share that if we're people of faith, our walk in life should look differently. Our walk should reflect Christ. But much of Ephesians is just practical insight on how to do life right. Paul makes the point that, that it is possible to do life the wrong way. And so he mentions many of the relationships in life, the marital relationship. And in chapter 6, he, he begins to talk about raising children. He had a passion for the Christian home. And, and Paul outlined some simple steps that would help both children and parents. And, and although the opening words in verse 1 speak directly to children, and certainly they would have been seated there in the church as, as the letter was read, I really feel even from the opening words of verse 1, we find instruction for parents. As we consider these words and find the help in them, your outline will, will help you today as we follow along. The first element we discover here is if we're going to be effective parents, we must instruct our children. We must instruct them. Now, verse 1, as we began to read, made the point that children were to obey your parents in the Lord. For the children, the command was straightforward. It was relatively simple to understand. It is the duty of every child to obey their parents. To obey their parents. Now, earlier in the book, when the Apostle Paul was talking about the relationship of, of a husband and wife, he, he did make the point the wife was to submit to the husband. And there was a verse earlier that talks about a mutual submission, a husband to wife. And the word that spoke of submission in that sense was a word that meant to, to think through something and come to the conclusion that you will follow. It means to reason to the point of yielding. But when the Bible says children obey your parents, that's not the idea there. It doesn't say that children need to think it over or pray on it, talk it over with their pals. The, the word used obey there just simply means to do what you're told. But there's a deeper sense in this that I believe can be a help to parents. The word obey here, if you look it up in a Bible dictionary, will mean this, to follow instructions. To follow instructions. Sometimes we say that our children aren't being obedient when the reality is they just haven't been given instructions. Kids come from the factory filled with energy, ready to go all the time, wanting to do things. And sometimes they'll run around. Sometimes maybe they'll run out in the street, for example, and we'll say, look at those crazy kids out there in the street. Now, you see, God knew that when children are born into a family that, that they don't have any sense. That's why he gave them to parents for a big part of their life. If kids were born with any sense at all, they certainly wouldn't need us parents. And so God gave children to parents because he knew that they would need some help setting the parameters of understanding. It's probably not good to play in the street. It's probably not good to go here or there or do this or do that. I'm saying today that children need parents who will give them the instructions they need so that they can follow them in a way that would be a blessing in their lives. Sometimes as parents, we get frustrated with our children. Sometimes we even convince ourselves that the problem in our homes is our children. And I want you to understand that in the home, everything, everything, everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything. I heard recently of a father in the grocery store and he has a little son sitting there in a the cart and he's walking through and the boy was just going absolutely bonkers. He was a terror. 
He was going nuts and screaming and pulling stuff off the shelves and just a general nuisance, you know, the kind of guy, if we would have seen that in the grocery store, we'd say, you know, we need to go to the dairy section real quick. This guy's driving me crazy too. And so he's pushing and his little guy's in the cart and, and uh, the dad's going, Donald, just be calm. Donald, settle down. It's going to be all right. And the lady was watching all this happen. And the story says the lady walked over and, and said, you know, I really appreciate the way you're talking to your son here. And she leaned over to the little boy in the cart and she said, Donald, what's the problem today? And uh, the father said to that lady, oh, no, that's not Donald. That's Henry. I'm Donald. Okay, you know, <laughs> Donald, be calm. Uh, hold on. You'll be all right. I suppose that father could be commended for not losing his cool. But listen, children are not something to be tolerated. Our children are not objects that we're just to put up with until we put them out. Children are a gift from God. We could not imagine the value found in just one life. In Psalm 127 and verse 3, the Bible says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. Children are to be treasured, and children are to be trained. The Bible in the book of Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Oh man, that's a verse that I've heard quoted many times. I've heard many parents say, well, I trained my child uh, in the ways of the Lord. I took him to Sunday school. That's not all that verse is talking about. That matter of training up a child, it means to diligently teach the ways of God to your children. We think of the rebellious nature of children today, and I think... Rebellion is something that's not new to children. In fact, I think when we were children, we were probably rebellious because all of us are born with a nature that's imperfect, with a sin nature. But I think there's a moment in time in the life of a child where their desire is to please or find acceptance from the largest people in their lives, which would be their parents. Now, I know that manifests itself in a variety of ways, and I think that that moment in time can come to an end and Certainly they can move on, but, but I believe in the heart of a child, there's usually that moment in time where, where these larger-than-life figures to them, mom and dad, they have a desire to, to know what is right and wrong so they can follow that which they receive. We do, we're to train them. This is no guarantee they'll always do what is right, but it gives them the basis from which to grow. It begins with instructions, but parenting isn't something we do in, in terms of putting our kids in seats and we stand behind a podium and we just give instructions. We have to give instructions, but that, that's just the beginning. It's got to move on from there. And I want us to see that I really believe in this text. We find the Bible share with us that we need to inspire our children. We need to inspire them. Verse 2 makes the point that children are to honor their parents. And they are to do so because it's a command from God. The role of a parent is to be esteemed. Now, the question I often hear asked, am I supposed to honor my parents even if they are not always honorable? And to the person that asked that question, I'll remind you that your children will be able to say the same thing about you, big guy. You know, sometimes you read the Bible like an attorney looking for the loophole, looking for the way out. Let me just say, the role of a parent has never been easy. And if you've got a parent, just love them. You know, pastor, they weren't perfect. Yeah, and you're not either, and you won't be either. I mean, sometimes we want to like give our parents a report card. Who do we think we are? I mean, did we have the upbringing they had? Did we go through what they went through? I mean, I don't want to excuse some of the adversity you've gone through in your life, but, but let's just make sure we have a heart that's really right before the parents that, that God has given us. Given us. But, but, but the Bible reveals here that children are to honor their parents. Having said that, to the parents today, I want to say this. 
I desperately have a desire to live a life that is worthy of the honor that my children are to give me. Now, I can't be a perfect parent, nor can you. But I hope to live a life that my children can look at and say, you know something, he wasn't perfect, but he was real. His talk and his walk, they kind of matched, you know. When he did blow it, he was big enough to say, I blew it, and I'm sorry. I can't live a perfect life, but I want to live a life that my children can look up to and learn from. The verse goes on to say here, which is the first commandment with promise. And that really is kind of a parenthetical statement there. Paul was quoting from a passage of Scripture that these people in Ephesus would have known. He was, he was referencing an Old Testament passage of Scripture. He was referencing Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16, where the Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You see, the, the biblical expression there, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth, meant not that they would live a long life per se, but that their life would be full. It may include length of days. I, I've heard people mention this, but that, as I understand it, was a Hebraism or an expression of the times to those people that meant, listen, if you follow the teaching that your parents give you, you're going to make the most of your life. You're going you're to fulfill all that, that you could possibly fulfill in your life. And I've discovered that nothing inspires a young person like the thought of living a life of worth and value. Now, I think children think about this. That's why when they dream of what they want to do when they grow up, they often think of the people they look up to. They'll say, well, I want to be a policeman or a firefighter. I want to be a, uh, in the Marines or whatever it might be. They, they, they imagine the people that they perceive to be really making a difference and dream. I'd like to be like them. But I have found that by and large, many of the teenagers that I've worked with, and I've worked with, with hundreds and hundreds and thousands even over the years, I, I believe many of them look at the prospect of just getting a year or two older and being no longer in that stage of life, but in a in in the next stage of life, and I believe many of them are absolutely afraid to death of living a life in which they're going to waste their time. And I don't believe anything inspires a young person so much as an adult looking at them and saying, I believe with all my heart that you can do something great with your life. I love to tell that to my kids. I love to let them know that I believe in them and I'm expecting big things from them. I, I joke with them sometimes, but they know I'm, uh, there's truth in jest. They know what I'm getting at. I'll say, hey, I want you to know my retirement plans are wrapped all around coming and visiting you wherever it is you are, doing whatever it is you're doing for the Lord. I, I know God's going to use you in a great way. Live for God, and, and I believe that can inspire them. That's not a technique. That's not a ploy. That's not something I do to coerce my kids to do this or that. That's the heart of a father that believes every word of that, that there's value in this young life, and as they live for God they can do great things for the Lord but there's a flip side to this the life that doesn't respect the role of their parents may be cut short physically but certainly will lose influence and opportunities in the future you see both good things and bad things inspire people there's a well-known verse in the book of Proverbs we often quote one half of it in Proverbs 29 in verse 18, the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. That's the first half. The second half of the verse says this, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. The idea in all of this is not just that people need some positive vision to strive for in life. The idea is that people don't have a vision of where negative behavior will lead, then they'll perish in the process. 
So parenting is saying, yes, I believe in you. If you do these things that are right, you're going to see that God's going to help you to live a full life. But it also includes the vision of, and listen, if you, if you turn away the instruction of your parents and if you spurn the love of a holy God, you're going to find that you won't only miss out on the good things in life that God has for you, you're going to embrace the worst that you can possibly find in life. I believe kids need that vision as well. Hey, let me tell you something, Junior. You go down that road. Let me tell you exactly where that road's going to lead you. And it's not pretty. You're heading the wrong direction, buddy. But let me tell you about this road. Man, that's the road you want to get on. A vision of the good things. A vision of, of the bad. I really do believe we need to do our best as the Lord leads us. I know that this sounds even strange. The problem, I believe, is that we so seldom talk with our children about anything substantive that we almost sometimes as parents feel awkward talking to them about what we believe the future can hold for them. And that's a shame. We need to get to know them and share our hearts for them. We need to challenge our children themselves to bring it in life. There's a pastor I know who writes a blog, I guess that's what you call it, and sometimes he says some things that are enjoyable. I don't agree with everything he writes, but I don't agree with everything I say. Every now and then I'll listen to myself a little afterwards and I think, what was I talking about, you know? And, but I enjoy the way this pastor writes. And he was telling a story the other day of, of his two daughters. I have two daughters, so that's probably why we connect a little bit. And, and he talked about how he'd just gotten so busy and he hadn't spent the time with his family he needed to have. And so he, he started to justify things in his mind. And, and uh, he came to the conclusion if he did some really good things with them that he'd make up for some lost time. And I, I understand all of that. And... and uh, but, but he was trying to get his daughters to understand it as well. So here he is spending time with his daughters, and they're doing something great. And, and uh, he's explaining to his daughters the difference between quantity time and quality time. And he explained it all to them. And uh, he said, but, you know, quality time, that's when we do the really fun things, the really exciting things. And, and that's the kind of time probably that you guys want, right? And, and he said his youngest daughter said, Dad, we like quality time and lots of it. And I think that's where most kids are. They need that time. They need that commitment. They need that dedication from a parent. If we hope to bring our kids along for the ride of their lives, we have to spend time with them. We have to talk with them. We need to share our hearts and get to know their heart. And this does not happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen simply by being near them. It happens not just because we wish it would, but it happens because we make a conscious decision to bring them. I remember my dad when I was in junior high giving me in the summer a book to read and then to write a book report on. He made me read The One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard and write a book report in the summer. Now, I'm not suggesting you do that. After much therapy, I'm almost over that now, you know, but <laughs> what kind of a crazy guy does that, you know? But I remember, even as a junior hire, getting something as crazy as that and thinking, wow, my dad must actually believe I can... Maybe, possibly, might, could do something. Maybe at least there's potential. I, I remember as a young man thinking, wow, I bet, I bet dad probably thinks that I have the capacity one day to maybe be a leader or something. I mean, he's giving me a... And I want you to know all these years later, I can look back on that moment. It still means a lot to know that there was a parent that had enough forethought to say, hey, I think you can do something good in life. And I think you better start getting ready now. Because there's some good things ahead waiting if you, if you follow the right path. Think of that. 
inspire them. We move on to the final thought. We'll look to verse 4. And I believe it's in this verse that we find the, the value of including our children. I love this final verse. Now, it's directed to the fathers, but it does underscore the goal of the parental unit. We find that the, the fathers are to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That statement begins with these words, bring them. Dads, pastor, tell me, how do I be a good parent? Bring them. Bring them. Bring them. The idea is you got to be with them. You can't bring up a child if you're, if you're not there, if you're not a part of their lives. We simply can't accomplish the task of, of raising healthy, well-adjusted children if we don't include them. The idea in the words bring them is to have them with you. Let them do life with you. Dads, let me tell you something. The world's got an idea that they're trying to get in the mind of your son of what a real man is. And for some, maybe it's professional wrestling. For others, maybe it's some effeminate version of, of, uh, of, of the male species. And, and uh, they've got all these various images coming. Let me tell you who needs to help your son understand what a real man is. That's a dad who brings them. Sometimes he brings them fishing. He brings them to church. Sometimes he'll bring them to work. Spends time with him. Oh, listen, let me tell you what our young men need today. They need dads who will spend that time and love them and will instill those values in the heart of a, of a young mind, of a, of a young boy. Moms, let me tell you something. There's a dearth in our land of young ladies who even understand what the word modesty means. Listen, Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, and the rest of that crew, they're not going to help your daughter understand what it is to dress like anything that resembles someone who's in their sane mind. We need some moms who will say, you know what, I'm going to spend that time with my daughter and I'm going to teach her what respect is all about and I'm going to teach her what morality is all about. I'm going to teach her what character is all about. I'll teach her what modesty is all about. Listen, the world's not going to teach our children what it is they need to know in these areas. We've got to make sure we're bringing them. We're teaching these things. That's the way it needs to be. There's a threefold thought, I believe, that's found in in verse 4, that I believe can help us. Maybe you're like me. I want to be a good dad. Well, I believe these, these attributes we're going to talk about, if they're found in our parenting, will be better. If they're found in our leadership and our influence, we'll do better. I believe it all begins, first of all, with being accepting. Let's look at verse 4. The Bible says, provoke not your children to wrath. Now, that's an interesting statement. Directed primarily to fathers in the sense, it says, provoke not your children to wrath. Now, in the book of Colossians, it said this way in Colossians 3.21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Nothing is more discouraging to a child than the thought that they just can't do anything right. And listen, when you get in those grade school years, all the way through high school, maybe junior high would be the most intense, uh, you, you just need to look back for a minute and remind yourself what it was to feel like, I can't do anything right. I can't get anything right. I tried. Listen, we, we all feel that way at times in life, but there are moments in, in, the, in the life of a child where they're already consumed with that, and if there's a parent who's needlessly condemning, what we're saying is, I don't accept you. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. I'm not talking about challenging our children. We must challenge them, but we need to be careful to help them understand that they are totally and unconditionally accepted. They need that. They need it. 
The word provoke means to make one angry. It's the idea of a parent who requires more of a child than they can actually deliver. Fathers, let me help you to understand what provoking a child to wrath may look like. It may be saying one thing and then doing another. Kids don't understand that. It may be blaming and never praising. It might be uh, inconsistent or unfair discipline. It might be seen in showing favoritism. Perhaps it's making promises and not keeping them. Every child needs acceptance. And if they don't get it at home, they're going to go out and look for it someplace else. That's a big part of what gangs are all about, you know. It came to my mind years ago that my daughters need hugs. And it also came to my mind that if I don't give them to them, perhaps someone else will. For that reason, I hug them a lot. A lot. Because I want them to know that their old man thinks they're great and expects big things in their future and cares a lot and accepts them. Oh, we've got to give that acceptance to our kids. It's a necessity. But we see not only this matter of accepting, we see this matter of correcting. Now, the word goes on to say in verse 4, nurture, but bring them up in the nurture. Now, I read that word, and I like to look up every word in the text when I teach on it, and I don't always get it right, but I try. And, and a lot of times I'll have an idea what a word means, and that's exactly what it means. But sometimes I'll have an idea what a word means, and that's not at all what it means. I heard the word nurture, and I kind of thought of, of holding a little baby and nurturing, you know, nurturing. I was kind of surprised to find out that this word nurture doesn't mean patting a baby on the back like this. It means patting with a little more effort and a little lower. The word nurture means the action of correcting. For example, Proverbs 3 and verse 12 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as, the fa- uh, as, the son, excuse me, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. The writer of Hebrews elaborates on that Old Testament verse by writing in Hebrews 12, 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. The word chasteneth in that New Testament passage and the word nurture in in the New Testament passage we're studying are the same Greek word. The idea is, is to give discipline. Now, I know it is unpleasant, but we must correct our children. Sometimes I'll hear parents say, I just love the little guy so much. I just can't bring myself to correct him. I don't want to damage his little psyche or I don't want to give him a low self-esteem. And one of the most hateful things that a parent can do for a child is somehow give him the idea that the whole world revolves around him. He's what it's all about, man. The whole world stops when the little guy goes crazy. Years ago, the Duke of Windsor came to America and said this, everything in American homes is controlled by switches, except the children. (laughs) Now, I'm not an advocate of anything that would harm a child. You all understand that. But I do believe in the Bible. Is it okay to read the Bible in church? All right, we're recording this service so I can verify that what I say is indeed the Word of God. I like to cite my sources. Proverbs 22, 15 says this, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but... The rod of correction shall drive it far from him. I think that was my parents' life verse. (laughs) They apparently didn't think much of Dr. Spock who let us all know, no, 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 don't do that. You're going to hurt them. No, my parents, they, they they didn't read that book or didn't care too much about it. They apparently read this book. And uh, uh, they discovered that correction was a vital part of raising children. And I want to make the point, if you're, every, if you're ever angry when you're disciplining, as far as I'm concerned, that is a form of child abuse. If anger is your motivation in disciplining your child, you've got a problem. 
But if you love your children, you'll see how important it is to let them know when they put themselves in a place that is going to lead them the wrong direction, to bring them back to where it is they need to be. If we ever discipline in anger, as I said, we're wrong. But the time comes when a parent, out of love for their child, must draw the line. That's it. That's it. I heard of a boy who just got his driver's permit, and he, he said, Hey, Dad, when I get my license, can I drive the car? And the dad said, Well, son... We'll talk about that, but there's a few things you'll need to do first. You're going to need to get your grades up. And I want to see you in the Bible more. And, uh, and he said, son, I want you to get a haircut. Well, a few weeks went by, and the boy got his driver's license, and he said, hey, dad, uh, can I drive the car? And his dad said, well, son, I have been watching. I got to tell you, great job on the grades. You've done a great job. You work hard. I know you did. They don't just come up all by themselves. Good work on the grades. And son, it's been a blessing to my heart as a dad to see you spending time reading the Bible. To come around the corner and just catch you sitting there reading God's word. That's been a blessing to me. But he said, son, you still haven't got that haircut. And the boy said, you know, dad, in all my reading of the Bible, I've, I've noticed some things. He said, dad, did you know Samson had long hair? He said, Moses had long hair. He said, even Jesus had long hair. And the dad said, yes, son. And did you notice they all walked everywhere they went? <laughs> I think it's helpful for a child to communicate to them, hey, listen, I'm the boss here, not you. You know, I think they need some help understanding. Listen, we're not going to negotiate on, on, on the leadership I'm going to give. I, I'll give the leadership and you're going to follow the leadership. That's the way it needs to be. We need to be accepting. We need to be correcting. We need to be directing. The final words in this verse say the admonition of the Lord. Now, the word nurture, as I said, spoke more uh, of an action, while this word admonition speaks more of our speech. It literally means to encouragingly teach. And I don't know if I would have said it that way, but the dictionary did. To encouragingly teach. Now, of course, it, this is to be done in the Lord. We must teach God's word. We need to spend time in the Bible with our families. We need to pray with our families. We need to consistently stay in church. One of the most influential people in my whole life growing up, group of people, were coaches. I don't know if I was ever good at sports, but I loved it. I just, I loved it. I lived for it. And I'm thankful for all the coaches I had. All of them taught me a little something. Some, of course, were a little better than others. I remember one coach I had, and he used to always say this. I went to a Christian school. He used to always say this. God is more important than sports. How many of you agree with that statement? How many of you will agree with that tonight? No, I'm just kidding. I won't go there. <laughs> yes, I see those hands. God bless you. See it tonight. Okay. God is more important than sports. You used to always say that. And I, you know, I thought, well, that, that's good. But I couldn't help but observe in his life that apparently church was not more important than sports. Because I know he skipped out on church just about every Sunday to either go play sports or watch sports or something. And I remember as a young guy, that just the dichotomous approach to it all, it was confusing to me. God, yeah, he's number one. But the God that tells me not to forsake the assembling of myself together, the God that tells me to go to church, I'm not going to obey what it is he has to say. I remember how confusing that was to me. And you know, I don't want to be the kind of parent that tells my children one thing and then does another. I don't to agree. Again, as I said, we're all imperfect. We all understand that. But I want to make sure that, that I'm giving the direction that can help them, that, that, that my words are going to lead them in the right way. 
You have no idea how heavy my heart is to speak on this topic. Because I don't want to set myself up as the expert. But God is. And I've got children I'm trying to raise, and I love them like crazy. And I worry about them. You know? You just want them to do good. NBA Hall of Famer Charles Barkley was asked how he was going to handle his 12-year-old daughter's upcoming boyfriends. And he said, I figure I'll kill the first one and word will get out, you know. (laughs) I'm not advocating murder, but I can sure relate with his heart. (laughs) You know, we just just want our kids to do good. And, And they're about as nutty as we are, you know. We try and they try. And but this much I know, I believe all of us could do better if we would. I was working on this sermon in my office one afternoon. I was banging away. And my mom called me. And she said, what are you doing? I said, well, interestingly enough, I'm writing a message on parenting. And I, I told her, I said, mom, I just want to say something. I had no idea how good a mom you were until I've tried to do a little parenting myself. She said, thanks for being a good mom. You're a good one, you know. And uh, I, I think she's glad to hear that. But she said something that I asked her to repeat because I, I wanted to get it. She said, you know, son, there are no perfect parents. It's just something we have to work at all the time. I don't know why that was a liberating statement to me. Some there are no perfect parents. It's just something we have to work at all the time. Think of that. I want to work at it. And it is work. You can't bring your children unless there's a whole lot of work going on. But that's the kind of dad I want to be. I want to be right in the middle of it all. If I err, I want to err on the side of being in the middle of it too much rather than being removed from it too far. I want to work at it. Someone complimented my mom on her children. And she said, well, they're still turning out, you know. Once a parent, always a parent, right? I had someone after the early service say, well, he said, I think my parenting is almost done, but now I'm grandparenting. (laughs) It's just something we have to work at. But one thing we have going for us if we know the Lord is we find a role model in our Heavenly Father who not only will show us and teach us, He'll help us, you know, because He loves our kids more than we love them. And He wants their future to be all it can be more than we ever could. And that's saying a lot because, I mean, we hope that for our kids, don't we? And He wants to help us. And He can do that. How are we doing in relationship to bringing them? Our Father, thank You for this time of study and hopefully this time of learning. Lord, I do praise you that you are a good God. We thank you for home and family and and all of it. We know you've put it together. And we pray today that you would help us to have hearts that are very tender to your leading. Lord, there's a generation of young people 
their followers on the job and around the community that need leaders that will approach us in the right way. Help us. Help us. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And as we're here today, we're, we're thinking on what it is we've just considered from the Bible. I don't know exactly where you're at today, but maybe you'd say, you know, pastors, you've shared those truths from, from the Bible. There was something in there for me. A, a little nugget, a little word of truth, a statement, a principle. One element over another, I don't know, but you'd say, you know, pastor, as, as we went through that study today, I think there was something in all of what we co- covered that if I would implement into my life, I think I probably could do better. I think so. I think there was something in what we covered today that would help me to do better in life. I wonder, are there those today by the testimony of an upraised hand? You say, pastor, there was something in that that I think could help me if I put it to work in my life. Yeah, that's great. The vast majority. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I'm just getting started in this thing. My heart's heavy that I'll capitalize on these early days. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I've been in this a while. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure where my not-so-young children are at anymore, and maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, my heart's broken for my, my grown children. I want to see them come to the Lord or come back to the Lord. I wonder, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've just got a particularly heavy heart for my children today, and I'd like for you to be in prayer for me and, and prayer for them. Are there those like that this morning by the testimony of a raised hand? Pastor, pray with me about that. Yeah. Thank you. As I closed, I mentioned the value of knowing our Heavenly Father. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, Pastor, I hear people talk about that. I'm not 100% sure that I have that kind of relationship with Him. I wonder, do you know for sure if you were to die today that you'd spend eternity in heaven with Him? You can know that. In the privacy of this moment, I mean, virtually everyone's raised their hand for one thing or another. And if you have already, that's great. But I want to ask a question and heads are bowed. No one's looking around. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm less than 100 percent sure. I'm not certain that I have that relationship you're talking about with God. I don't know for an absolute certainty. If I were to die today, I'd spend eternity in heaven. And I can see why that's important. And maybe you're here today and and in your heart, you know, that's you. And you'd say, you know, Pastor, I. I don't mind the thought of you praying for me. No one's looking around, but maybe you today would say, Pastor, I listened, and yes, that's my heart. I'd like to be certain in that regard. And I don't mind the thought of you praying for me. Are there those like that this morning who'd be willing just to lift a hand? Say, Pastor, pray with me. I'm not 100% sure. If I were to die today, I'd spend eternity in heaven, but I'd like to know. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Are there others? Pray for me, Pastor. I'm just not sure. I'd like to be. I'd like to be. Maybe there are other spiritual decisions you've been saved and not yet scripturally baptized. Perhaps the Lord is prompting you to unite with the Coastline family by way of membership. I hope you'll follow his leading. Would you be so kind as to join me in standing, please? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The music's beginning to play. Brother Ryan's going to come and lead us in a song entitled, Come Just As You Are. If you know those words, you can sing along. But maybe today you'd like to spend a moment in prayer. There are men and ladies in the front, counselors, they have their copy of God's Word. 
It'd be their honor to pray with you if you'd like for someone to pray with you or if there's a spiritual question or decision you'd like to talk to someone about, they'd do their best to give you a Bible answer. Maybe today you want to bend a knee in prayer, perhaps even a husband and wife, a, a mother and father saying, Lord, help us with our children. We want to be great parents. Maybe it's, it's a parent of a child that's struggling. You want to be in prayer for them. I, I think the Bible tells us that this church is to be God's church, and God says of His church it's to be a house of prayer. We have not because we ask not so often. As the singing begins today, if you know the words, sing along. But if God's touched your heart, I'll invite you to talk to Him. Let this be a day of decision. As the singing begins, you come.